Welcome to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I am Matthew, the author of A Catholic Life, welcoming you to episode 24 of the A Catholic Life Podcast. In today's episode on the ninth Sunday after Pentecost, I address the upcoming feast days this week, including the forgotten feast of the finding of the relics of St. Stephen, as well as some very particular indulgences this week, specifically the Portunctula Indulgence. So this week, we'll have a smaller amount of content than some of the previous episodes, but there's still some great feast days this week that I think people should mention. I'd also like to remind everybody that starting this Tuesday, which happens to be August 1st this year, is the beginning of the Assumption Fast. This is a period of fasting practiced in Eastern Orthodoxy, as well as in many Eastern Rite Catholic um, uh, practices as well. And during this period, we will be fasting and abstaining every single day except Sundays, until we celebrate the feast of Our Lady's glorious assumption into heaven. So please discern and consider joining me and those in the Fellowship of St. Nicholas at 1peter5.com backslash fast and commit to fasting in honor of Our Lady's assumption, starting this Tuesday and continuing every day except Sundays until we celebrate her assumption on August 15th. But before <clears throat> before I turn to the greater amount of content in today's episode, I'd like to stop and thank the sponsor for today's episode. This episode is sponsored by PrayLatin.com. PrayLatin.com offers Latin prayer cards to learn and share prayers in the sacred language. Learn your basic prayers without spending more time looking at screens. Conveniently carry these Latin prayer cards with you on the go and share them with your friends and family. PrayLatin.com prayer cards are available in various formats so you can practice your pronunciation with easy-to-follow English phonetic renderings of Latin words. They also offer Latin-English rosary pamphlets, of course containing the traditional 15 mysteries. So please visit PrayLatin.com today and take advantage of generous free shipping offers on both domestic and international orders. Again, that is PrayLatin.com. To start today's episode, as I am accustomed to do so, I'd like to give an overview of some of the upcoming feast days this week, and in that context, I'll be discussing some of the upcoming specific indulgences, as well as, of course, the forgotten feast days. Now, tomorrow, July 31st, the final day of July, the final day of the month dedicated to our Lord's precious blood, is the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. This is a great day to also pray, of course, the litany of the precious blood, uh, personally or with your family, as we conclude this month in honor of our Lord's blood. But um, concerning St. Ignatius of Loyola, now, a lot of people are quite familiar with him. He is the patron saint of, of retreats, uh, and he, of course, is the founder of the Jesuit order, back when the Jesuit order was truly robust, and it did so much for the good of the church. St. Ignatius was born of, to a noble family in 1491 in the castle of Loyola in Spain. He was reared in the court of Ferdinand V of Aragon, the husband of Isabella of Castile, and he entered the army and distinguished himself with valor. Of course, he was wounded at the siege of Pamplona in a war between Charles V and Francis I, King of France, and during his convalescence, he read the lives of the saints which affected his conversion from worldliness to piety, and henceforth his life belonged entirely to God. After a general confession in the monastery of Montserrat, the mountain monastery, he spent ten months in solitude 
in a cave in Manresa where he composed his spiritual exercises and he then made a pilgrimage to Rome in the Holy Land. It is also piously believed that the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to him and helped give him the spiritual exercises. On his return to Spain, he began his studies, and in 1528 he went to Paris to continue them. Here his virtue and his wisdom gained him a few companions, and these became the nucleus of what would become the Society of Jesus, often called by us today as simply the Jesuits. At Montmartre, they vowed to go to Palestine or offer themselves to the Pope to be employed in the service of God in some other manner. Receiving ordination at Venice, together with his companions, St. Ignatius went to Rome, where he was graciously received by Pope Paul III. In 1540, Pope Paul III approved the society and soon made rapid progress, spreading to India in the east and to Brazil in the west. St. Ignatius continued to reside in Rome, employed in consolidating and governing his society, and there became a friend of St. Philip Neri. He was the general of society more than 15 years before he finally died in 1556. He has a truly remarkable life dedicated to spreading the fullness of the faith, to destroying heresy, to rooting out air. Um, St. Ignatius did finally die, as I said, in 1556. He died on July 31st, so this is the anniversary of his death. In less than 50 years, he, along with his companion, St. Francis Xavier, would be canonized. Today, the Society of Jesus has over 500 university and colleges, 30,000 members, and teaches over 200,000 students each year. Unfortunately, though, as we know, especially after the Jesuit order was suppressed for a period of time and then restored, really, um, as we're looking into the 1900s, it became notoriously extremely liberal. I I think that if St. Ignatius was here now, and he's certainly looking down from heaven, he would be ashamed of what his order is. So let us pray, specifically on his feast day, for the conversion of all Jesuits. There's still, thankfully, some good ones left but the conversion of the ones who are left, that they will be fearless defenders of the faith. They emphasize so much learning the faith and study and education, but many of them have lost the sense of the supernatural. So let us pray for the Jesuit order. Now, August 1st, in addition to starting the Feast of Our Lady's Assumption uh, fast, is the um, in the Roman Church, traditionally, the Feast of St. Peter's Chains, as well as the Holy Maccabees. Um, that's something a lot of people don't know about as well. The Holy Maccabees were the seven brothers who were the first martyrs to suffer for their faith before the advent of the of Christ. So they are the only saints of the Old Testament who are included in the liturgy of the Universal Church, and they're also the only ones who are commemorated in the general calendar of the Western Church. So these um, these men were were ones who died. So, for instance, this is what the Holy Martyrology states. Seven brothers, known as the Maccabees, were martyred together with their heroic mother during the 2nd century B.C. They are the only martyrs of the Old Testament honored by a feast of universal observance in the church. So we can learn much from these saints who came before the advent of Christ. In particular, we find their account in the Old Testament books that the Protestants chose to remove from the canon of sacred scripture. And in those passages of the Maccabees, we find clear evidence for the need to pray for the dead. Now, for those wishing to study the life of the Maccabees further, using sacred scripture, catechism passages, authoritative writings of the church, etc., I would highly recommend the catechismclass.com lesson on the Holy Maccabees, which is available for purchase online. But this is a great day for us to honor them, especially when so many forget them. But in addition, August 1st is in the feast, traditional feast of the Universal Church, the Feast of St. Peter's Chains. Yet sadly, this feast was omitted completely in the 1962 Missal and beyond. Here's what the traditional Matins readings, though, states of this same day 
in honor of St. Peter's chains. After King Herod Agrippa had put to death St. James the Greater ten years after Christ's crucifixion, he decided to placate the Jews still more by arresting Peter, Prince of the Apostles. The Acts tell us that while Peter was in prison, prayer was being made to God for him by the church without ceasing. And finally one night an angel awakened the prisoner. The chains fell from his hands and he followed the angel safely past the sentries and the iron gate of the jail opened of its own accord. This miracle confirmed the divine promise. If two of you shall agree on earth about anything at all for which they ask, it should be done for thee by my Father who is in heaven. It is these chains now preserved in Rome that are venerated today. <clears throat> and I have been privileged to see those same chains. So if you go to the link in the show notes... And then you click on the specific link on that page to the Feast of St. Peter's Chains. There's a picture there that I took when I was uh, very privileged to visit Rome in 2016. And in the church of San Pietro in Vincola, there is the relics there of St. Peter's Chains. It's also a church where there's a beautiful sculpture of Moses that Michelangelo made. So if anybody is going to Rome, it's not that far from the Colosseum either. A lot of people might skip it over in itineraries if you're not going there for a long period of time. You're thinking of the Vatican, maybe some other basilicas. But this is one to truly spend some time at and think about the deliverance that St. Peter miraculously had. So that is August 1st. Now, turning to August 2nd, that is the Feast of St. Um, <clears throat> Alphonsus Liguori. St. Alphonsus Liguori truly a remarkable theologian. He's the patron saint, actually, of theologians. He was born in Naples, Italy in 1696. He uh, went on to found the congregation, the Most Holy Redeemer, with the object of laboring for the salvation of the most abandoned souls in 1732. He really labored incessantly at the work of the missions until about 1756, when he was appointed a bishop, uh, specifically the Diocese of St. Agatha, which he governed until 1775, when broken by age and infirmity, he resigned his office to retire to a nearby convent where he died. Now, few saints have labored so much, either by word or writing, as St. Alphonsus. He was a copious and popular author, the utility of whose works will never cease. His last years were characterized by intense suffering, which he bore with resignation, adding voluntary mortifications to his other pains. His happy death occurred on August 1st, 1787. Now, this particular feast day of St. Uh, Alphonsus Marie Liguori on August 2nd is also the day to gain the Port Unctual Indulgence. Now, the Port Unctual Indulgence is the oldest plenary indulgence ever in the world. It was the first one ever granted in the church. Now, there were indeed indulgences at all times, but they were only partial, and only a partial remission of temporal punishment due to sin. But, as already mentioned, he who gains the Port Unctual Indulgence is freed from all temporal punishments because it's a, um, it is a plenary indulgence and he becomes as pure as after holy baptism. This is also the reason why Pope Honorus was astonished at the time, really, because St. Francis was the one who petitioned him to, to confirm this indulgence, a perpetual one, one of which had never been uh, done before. Of course, we are familiar with uh, uh, plenary indulgences as a result. I will have more information in the show notes specifically to the portunctual indulgence. Please put it on your calendar. But basically, the specific works to gain the indulgence are to, of course, receive confession within eight days before or after, two, receive the Holy Eucharist at Holy Mass on August 2nd, and three, to enter a parish church and with a contrite heart pray the Our Father, the Apostles' Creed, as well as prayers for the intention of the Pope. 
I'll have more information in that article regarding the portunctual indulgence and its history. But it's also important to remember that for it to be a plenary indulgence, you have to uh, be completely removed from the attachment to all sin as well. If that is not the case, then you will receive only a partial indulgence. So plenary indulgences are difficult to obtain. Of course, if we are in the state of grace, even partial indulgences will be very uh, meritorious as well. So again, please uh, make a note in your calendar for the Port Unctual Indulgence this week. As well, I'd like to mention August 3rd, something you won't find in many calendars because it's not in the 1962 Missal either, is the Feast of the Finding of St. Stephen's Relics. Uh, it was really a remarkable time when his relics were finally discovered. He is, of course, the first martyr. I don't have time to go into the story today. I'll have a link, of course, in the show notes to, so those who want to learn can read more. Uh, but keep in mind, August 3rd, you might think it's a feria in the 1962 Missal, but beforehand it was the Feast of the Finding of St. Stephen's Relics. And uh, afterwards, August 4th is traditional feast day of St. Dominic. Um, as a Third Order Dominican, this one is very particularly important to me. Traditional Dominicans will fast and abstain uh, the day before his feast day, as well as several other uh, days in the year. But um, St. Dominic, one of the greatest uh, religious uh, order founders there was, truly heroic life, along with St. Francis, did so much to restore discipline in the church and save the church at a time when heresy was truly gripping it. He's definitely one to imitate in his story we should uh, read as well. And lastly, August 5th is the dedication of St. Mary Major in Rome, also known as the feast day of Our Lady of the Snows, because according to tradition, the Virgin Mary appeared in a dream to two faithful Catholics, a patrician John and his wife, as well as to the Pope Liberius, who reigned from the year 352 to 366, asking them to build a church in her honor where the snow would fall on the night of August 4th into the 5th. And on the night announced in the year 358, snow began to fall on that location where currently St. Mary Major's Basilica in Rome is located. This is, of course, is a miracle, considering it fell on that small location in the heat of August, a notoriously warm period in Rome. So Pope Liberius went and traced the outlines of the church in the snow himself, and the first basilica was built on that site. However, it was completed nearly a century later by Pope Sixtus III following the Council of Ephesus in 431, during which the Blessed Virgin Mary was declared to indeed be truly the Mother of God. The feast day is kept by the church on August 5th, and it's known as both the Feast of the Dedication of St. Mary Major, as well as Our Lady of the Snows because of this miracle. I like to refer to it as Our Lady of the Snows, just because so many people no longer like to discuss miracles, I think it's very important that we do so. That's all we have time to discuss today. I hope and pray all of you have a most blessed week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the A Catholic Life podcast. And using the example of St. Ignatius of Loyola, let us always spend time each week thinking through the upcoming week for how we can have opportunities for grace, the lives of the saints, what they teach us, and how we can better imitate them. He was truly converted because of God's working through him when he read the lives of the saints. Let us never tire of their holy lives, and let us pray to all of them that we will have the courage to imitate them, despite the difficulties and the trials which daily life presents us. Ad maiorum, Dei Gloriam. We don't need